Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm Susie Q. So tonight, uh, we have um, uh, just Susie and I are going to kind of spill our knowledge on uh, a few subjects. Um, So we're going to go kind of back to the basics. um, And um, we're going to talk about uh, line choice and uh, the different types of fishing line when you use the different types and... uh, you know, kind of jump into that uh, rabbit hole, if you will. And then we'll also talk a little bit about knots and um, the knots that we use and, uh, you know, the different applications for those as well. But before we jump into all that uh, fun stuff, um, I wanted to give Susie a chance to share some of the news that she recently got because it's all pretty exciting stuff. So, Susie. That's right. Um, so uh, most of the folks uh, who know me um, know that I am uh, pretty involved with volunteering with the Women's Fishing Foundation and whatnot. And, um, you know, it uh, was recently announced that uh, Christine was stepping down um, as one of the um, board members. Uh, there's three. So there's um, Amanda Brannon, Mel Isaacs, and then Christine Fisher. 
Uh, as we all know, Christine is insanely busy, um, has a lot going on, travels all over the place. So, um, you know, it was definitely a hard decision for her to make. Um, but uh, as you can probably see where this is going, um, <laughs> I have taken her spot uh, on the board. I am the uh, treasurer now for the Women's Fishing Fish. Oh my gosh, Women's Fishing Federation. And uh, yeah, so definitely uh, some exciting news with that. And then we uh, also have some committee members as well that are gonna be helping us to, um, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, we can keep growing, keep doing awesome things. And next year will be the fifth year having been started. So we're, uh, we're hoping for an awesome five year anniversary because crazy that's already been five years you know uh so yeah so that's the first big announcement um you know i kind of feel like i'm in an infomercial you know oh, wait, <laughs> there's more <laughs> uh, second big announcement is um kind of more uh like locally in a sense um so i'm also on the staff with uh, kbl kayak bass league which is based out of like illinois wisconsin and uh, I've been involved with them since 2017, I believe. No, 2016. Well, I joined the club in 2016. Then I think I got on staff in 2017. And uh, the president, uh, owner, um, Alan uh, Weedmeyer, is going to be retiring from KBO. Uh, next year is going to be his last year. And then 2025... I will be the new uh, owner, president of Kayak Bass League. So, uh, nice. yeah, definitely uh, a lot of crazy things going on, but uh, super excited for all of them and can't wait to, uh, you know, see how we can grow and just, you know, I'm just hoping for positive things, you know, good things, positive things, um, you know, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be good. Well, I mean, uh, both of those good. organizations you've you've done a lot of work for them behind the scenes for a long time. So, oh yes, <laughs> I think uh, you know being in a, in a more leadership position will hopefully give you a little more say into your ideas and and that kind of thing. So, right. hopefully, uh, hopefully that will will uh, be a big positive step for you. And where congrats, that's uh, awesome news. Fine, so. right? Yeah. yeah, definitely exciting. So, uh, yeah, I know uh, we're going to start um, putting permits in and stuff like that for next year. Um, uh, with Illinois, uh, November 1st is uh, when you can apply for permits for the uh, following year. And then Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin, you can put them in for just about any time. I mean, Wisconsin's kind of cool <laughs> when it comes to fishing tournaments because, yeah. And, and yeah, Illinois started this weird thing a couple years ago where, you know, you have to tell them what your tournament amounts were and, you know, you're supposed to give a percentage back to the state. And it was just like, oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what are you going to do with that money? Hmm? <laughs> exactly. You know, anyway. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're making some money. Uh, uh, yes, we're going to go ahead and need a cut of that. Good things. Um, yeah excited crazy awesome 
Are you hearing me, Susie? Yep. Okay, there okay. we go. Okay. I cool. think my my microphone jack is a little loose jack. on this thing. I'm not <laughs> in my uh, she shed because uh, we've been having some internet issues, so I'm on um, the uh, the home station, the big uh, desktop computer my husband has. So gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, but yeah, so jumping right into our topics uh, for today. So we're going to talk to you about some fishing line. We're really going back to the basics here. Um, you know, shortly before we got on the show, I was kind of, you know, looking on um, Wikipedia and other stuff like that. I was just like, well, you know, what is the origin of fishing line, you know? And I found a couple of different things. Um, which, you know, are surprising, but it's still fascinating. Um, believe it or not, um, it was actually depicted in uh, ancient Egyptian art of uh, fishermen using a rod, line, and a hook, which is like 2000 BC. So, I mean, it's been around for a really long time, probably way even before that. I'm surprised, you know, we don't have other depictions from like, you know, cavemen and stuff like that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, still pretty cool though. Um, so apparently the first natural line was first made from like silk glands in a moth. Kind of like, you know, silkworms are made, uh, make like silk for fabric or whatever. Um, so I found that pretty cool. Uh, but uh, when it comes to like fluorocarbon, uh, mono or braid, those things weren't actually introduced until, you know, the 19th century. So uh, the world's first synthesized nylon wasn't created until 1937. And then, of course, in Japan, um, there was another type of synthesized nylon in 1939. And then it wasn't until 1970, and I thought that this was pretty cool. I actually didn't know who, like, the first fluorocarbon uh, maker was, in a sense, uh, but it was actually Seagar is when they debuted, was in 1970. So I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. But it wasn't around until 1990 that bass fishermen actually began to use fluorocarbon as main line on their spinning and bait casting reels. Um, at the time, you know, they were looking at, you know, different characteristics of line, you know, lower visibility, high abrasion, et cetera, et cetera, and whatnot. Um, and then, let's see here. Yeah, then in the 2000s is when like fishing line has just kind of like blown up in a sense. Right. You know, um, you've got all your different brands, you've got different types of fluorocarbon, you've got different colors, different sizes, etc. everything under the sun type of thing. So I thought it was pretty cool to kind of take a little bit of a, uh, a dip into history when it comes to fishing line. Yeah, very cool. It's uh, like some of that goes back way longer than I, I mean, even like, even like the new, like fluorocarbon, I didn't realize was around for that long i mean that's pretty crazy so right you know but then like at the same time i was almost thinking i was like man wouldn't it have been around 
um, you know, maybe sooner than that. But then I'm like, well, I guess, you know, when you think about fluorocarbon, what is fluorocarbon when you think about? Well, it's just basically like melted plastic, in a sense. Right. And it's just pulled through a really tiny hole and then just stretched into line, basically. So I'm like, well, it probably would have taken a uh, pretty unique individual to, you know, sit around and be like, oh, hey, what happens if I take this melted plastic and just pull it through a little hole? And does that create line? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, just right. kind of silly, interesting little things. But um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about the different kinds of lines. So I've mentioned, uh, you know, fluorocarbon. And then there's monofilament, and then we have braid, and then we also have a copolymer. Uh, hopefully I say that right. My brain always gets confused when I try to <laughs> sometimes say it. Um, but um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I think everybody uh, started out back in the day with, you know, just your cheap you know, go to your big box star, uh, store and get, you know, a $5 spool that has like, you know, three or 500 yards of just plain old monofilament line. I mean, you could do just about anything with that line. You didn't care if like, you know, you kept it in your garage for three years, you know, you'd still go out and use it the next, uh, the next season or whatnot. Um, but basically... Uh, when it comes to monofilament, um, it's, you know, it definitely has advantages and then it also has disadvantages. Um, one of its biggest advantages is um, it's it's less likely to snap um, as your fluorocarbon. So it's it's got a lot of stretch to it in a sense. So, you know, if you've ever like gotten snagged on, um, you know, a log or something like that. And you had mono on there and you feel like you're just pulling your line. You're like, Jesus, is this thing like actually moving? Chances are it's your line that's actually stretching in a sense. And then it'll just stretch to a certain point to when then it will finally just snap. Which, depending on the application can be good. You know, there are, right. there are times where that is advantageous, of course. Mm-hmm. And times when it's not as advantageous. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, another uh, quality, and this could be a pro or con versus how you're, um, you know, applying it, um, but monofilament uh, floats. So, you know, if you're wanting to use um, top water, um, if you don't care about, you know, your line floating in the water or whatnot, maybe it might change the appearance of your bait in the water. Um, you know, that can actually be a con in some instances. You may not want your line to float up and make your bait do weird things or anything like that, um, whereas you might want it to. Yeah, and that's actually the application that I use it most for is I use it for my topwater leaders mm -hmm. um, because it floats. And um, I guess one of the other most of the time, I guess you would consider it a pro is that it's also probably the cheapest out of all the <laughs> types of lines. Um, yes. But yeah. even, even with it, with, as with anything, there are cheaper monos and more expensive monos and, you know, you do get what you pay for sometimes, you know, if you go by the, 
cheapest spool of Walmart uh, brand, you know, mono, uh, odds are it's not going to have kind of the same strength quality, even for the same, you know, pound strength uh, that maybe a, a little bit of a higher car, uh, quality mono would have. But, uh, but mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, another thing when it comes to uh, mono is um, it's definitely easier to tie knots with. Um, you know, it's just kind of got that, um, what, what do you call that? I don't know. It's, I almost compare it to like it having like a, a slicker or different surface than fluorocarbon does. So I just, I feel like it just, it, it ties better in a sense. And I mean, like once you've got that knot on there, like you're, you're going to be pretty solid with that knot. Um, you know, where it comes to fluorocarbon, um, you know, you've got some decent knot strength, but if you're dry tying your knot on fluoro, um, chances are you're going to have that knot break at your first hook set um, because it does not play well with heat. No, it's not. Um, uh, <laughs> abrasion resistance is not a, a strength yes. of fluoro, so... Yes, yes. Um, but when it does come to mono, though, um, I know mono can have a little bit better of um, abrasion, re abrasion resistance uh, than compared to fluoro as well. Oh, let's see here. Um, <laughs> what would you say line memory wise? Uh, would you Ooh. say which would you say is better there? Um. I would say the better line for that is probably going to be probably mono. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've spooled up a spinning reel with fluorocarbon and man, it's like windy, 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 <laughs> like crazy. Um, but you know, and we'll kind of touch on this subject a little bit more too, but typically when I'm using fluorocarbon on a spinning rod, I uh, I don't tie a very long leader to it in a sense uh, for that specific reason. Because <laughs> it just, it, especially if it's windy or anything like that, I mean, you'll get knotted up and just, it, it can be a little bit of a nightmare. So chances are you're going to be better off using mono on a spinning reel if you don't want to deal or hassle around with um you know, the memory on the line or whatnot, or you could try a line conditioner. Um, I was going to say line conditioners are out there. And I've also even heard weird things about like putting your spool in hot water as you're <laughs> spooling it, you know, and yes. uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, cures or remedies for that kind of thing online. Yeah, I'm sure like if you just search for it, you can find, you know, everybody's tricks and weird things, but, uh, it's uh, it's funny you mention that because um, I'm trying to think of when I first heard somebody doing that. I think it might have been at the women's fishing event uh, back in um, September. Is somebody said, "Well, if you put it in a pan or a pot or something of hot water, and then you put one of the lids that has like the yep. hole on top of it, yep, and you spool it that way." And like my mind was blown. I was like. First off, like to even think of doing that, just like <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, apparently, you know, putting it in the hot water, 
really helps with like the memory issues that you have in the line. So I was like, okay. And then after that, like, I swear, like at least once a week, I'll see it on TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's like it knows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's listening you know yeah yeah i know right (laughs) now do you uh speaking of that do you have a like a line spooling station or do you do the whole pencil through it and have somebody (laughs) hold it you know so um i actually just use um so i got them at bass pro they're they're um little um not like tackle boxes but they're like clear cases that hold your spools and then on the front of it, it's got little openings that you feed the line through. And then I just spool it like that. Okay. I don't know if that's technically a right way or a wrong way, but uh, I used to do the whole, you know, put it on a pencil or something like that. You know, put my put it down underneath my feet, you know, yep. <laughs> it like that. But uh, with the spool box thing that I have, like... I just put like something in front of it. Cause like sometimes it'll move mm-hmm. as I'm reeling it in, but um, no, that thing, that thing works pretty great. So I don't need a fancy $50 line spooler thingamajig that I've seen people have or whatnot, but you know, Hey, it's, it's whatever you find uh, that works out best for you. Right. Right. I'm sure if I did more line spooling, it might be coming to more handy or more handy to actually have a station like that. But, you know, I, I don't do it that often enough that I, I feel like I have to, you know, go buy one of those. Uh-huh. Stations. Although I, I know um, Brad Hurlboss had one at the Paddle and Fee meetup last year, oh. two years ago. Do you remember that when we took all of Jay's rod or reels and even though he didn't really agree to it, we were like, hey, we're going to respooling your reels. And he's like, I missed uh, that? I must have missed that. Oh, uh, well, that was, uh, we all, uh, I guess uh, somehow they got on the topic of Jay's reels not being spooled properly. And they just <laughs> took all of his reels and respooled them. And Brad, I think, had a, one of those cool ones that had just attached to the table there. And, uh, oh. you know, he was. Uh, you know, respooling all of his lines. And I was like, that's kind of cool. You know, I could, I could see springing for that at some point, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. still have not done that. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then of course uh, we have braid, which um, braid is like overall, like your strongest line. Like, if you've got like 20, 30, 50, 60 pound braid and you get snagged, you're not going to break that line trying <laughs> to pop it off. You're going to have to cut that sucker. Uh, braid is a stupid strong. However, because of what braid is made of, it's uh, like interlocking um, pieces of like nylon or certain type of uh, like fabric in a sense. Um, bad thing about it is, is it has poor abrasion resistance. So, you know, if you're dragging on the bottom of like a rocky, uh, ground or something like that, or, you know, you've got some, uh, submerged stumps that you're pulling through or whatnot, um, you gotta be careful with that because that can definitely, uh, degrade your line and, uh, you know, uh, break over time. But... On the plus side, um, and I don't think we talked about this yet either, is um, so fluorocarbon, they definitely say to um, after a year 
of uh, having it on your fishing line, um, it's in your best interest to replace it, mainly because of wear and tear. Um, I know there are, um, most brands do have like a certain amount of UV resistance mm -hmm. uh, built into like the plastic material. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, over the course of time, of uh, being on that spool, the grit and stuff that can build up on it or whatnot can definitely degrade that degrade uh, the uh, line that you have. So it's best to uh, replace it. However, when it comes to braid, you can make braid last for years <laughs> if you really wanted to. Um, that's a great thing. It definitely has a longevity to it. Um, but, uh, you know, braid is, it's, you can find some pretty affordable braid, um, you know, and then you might have some more expensive ones as well. Um, it, it's a little bit cheaper than fluoro, um, but it is more expensive than mono um, in a sense. Again, you know, depending upon uh, brands you're looking for, how big of a spool you're wanting, applications, et cetera, et cetera, type of thing. So as far as, so we, we did talk a little, we talked about braid being float or uh, mono floats. Oh, yes. uh, I don't know if we mentioned it, but fluorocarbon definitely sinks. Sinks. Yep. And braid actually floats as well. Yes. Braid's but, a floater. Um, like the reason I don't use straight braid on my top waters is because it tends to also kind of bind up it or it comes back on itself, you know? So if you're working a popper, through past your line a lot of times your line will just sit there and kind of back up to it and then mm -hmm. i i seem to get tangled more whereas mono will kind of keep itself you know not necessarily 100 percent straight but definitely mm -hmm. straighter than braid will yes but, yeah but, and um, you know it, it's interesting because you know like when it comes to braid like braid has absolutely no memory Mm -hmm. But like, you know, if you were to just throw braid out onto the water, you know, it's not going to stay straight because it's not a, um, it's not like a tensed material in a sense. It's more of like a fabric, whereas your mono or your fluoro, it's like a plastic. So it's more rigid in a sense, you know, so it's going to keep sort of like the shape that it came out um, for a lot longer unless it has memory like which fluorocarbon does. Um, so yeah, braid with it being, you know, the fact of material that it is, yes, if you are leaving something out there, it can kind of, you know, zigzag and curly and whatnot on the water, um, type of thing. Um, so the main reason yeah. I use braid, uh, one of the main reasons is casting distance. Cause I feel like, especially on a spinning rod, um, I can cast braid way farther than I can either even mono or especially um, fluoro, but um, um, but I'm also uh, even on my spinning or on my uh, bait casting reels, I still do braid to leader for most applications. I um, I tried spooling up straight fluoro a couple times, and I, I just have more of a mess with that than I do with braid. I don't know what it is about it, but uh, uh, but and I, people have told me, oh, for like crank baiting and stuff, you should definitely just use straight fluorocarbon. And, and um, the only th uh, the only thing that tempts me about trying that is um, not having to tie leaders knots. You know, mm, if you're mm -hmm. basically just tying right onto the lure, and every time you know you have to retie, you're you're not having to retie a leader or anything. So uh, that's uh, that's the only thing that kind of tempts me too. But I still have not 
really uh i tried it like on one one rod one time and i was like i had more headaches with it than <laughs> than i cared about so i uh kind of left it up uh i kind of left it go and have since you know done mostly braid to leader even on my bait casters but how about you do you run straight flora for applications so yeah um there's a couple of different ways that i run um my setups on my rods so I'll start from like my heavy setups to like my finesse. So like starting with heavy, um, you know, if I'm in, you know, thick weeds and muck and stuff like that, um, in top water, especially in um, like stained water, I'm just straight braid. Um, I have uh, one top water reel that is just straight braid. Um, it's just my basic go-to frog rod. Um, I think I have, what do I have on there? I think I have 50 pound on there. Um, mainly because, um, with as thick as weeds, uh, that I have, and even like the lily pads, uh, that I have, you know, sometimes you can get wrapped up around there and like even 20 pound braid, uh, can break. But, uh, you know, if you want to know that the line that you have on is going to hold up to what you're fishing through, uh, definitely heavy braid is the way to go. And then working down from that. So any other reels that I would have, um, 10 pound or more, uh, fluoro or mono on, I'm going to back those reels with at least 90% braid. Uh, main reason being is because uh, braid's cheaper than fluoro. Um, fluoro is stupid expensive, especially <laughs> if you have, you know, 10, 15 reels to fill. Um, you know, when you think about it, the longevity of fluoro, you're just like, geez, man, I'm going to drop a couple hundred bucks just online just to respool my reels each year. So I was like, there's got to be a different way. And so a couple of years ago, I learned, uh, you know, a couple of people had done this as well. I was like, oh, this is actually genius because you can keep braid on there forever. I mean, like maybe after like two years or whatever, you might want to take a look at it and change it out. But I mean, it, it just, it's solid. And so what I'll do is I'll, have 90% of the spool filled with braid. And then depending upon the application, um, so like, you know, my Texas rigs, uh, bottom baits, um, and then, you know, kind of like um, my chatter baits, moving baits, that type of stuff. Um, I'll run as uh, short as uh, probably like 10 foot. And then like, I'll go as big as maybe like 30 feet sometimes. Uh, for my leader on there. And it just, you know, I, I've had the most success uh, with those types of setups um, for, you know, ever since I've been doing that. Then when it comes to like the ultra finesse stuff, so like, you know, uh, drop shot, uh, shaky head, Ned, you know, those types of things. Most of the time, you know, you're not necessarily using your whole reel to throw something like that out there. So most of the time, I'll do about maybe 50-50 just because when it comes to finesse, most of the time, like, I'm usually in clear water. And, 
I know some people are a little bit more particular about um, the little details, but like, you know, I want to make sure that A, the fish aren't going to see the line because, you know, if I have braid and then I have clear on there, you know, they might be able to see it in a sense if I have a shorter leader on it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, usually with those, I'll kind of do 50-50 and then um, there might be like another situation where I've done just straight fluoro, which um, is, I'm trying to think which one I do have straight fluoro on. It might be my chatter bait. No, actually, you know, I don't remember. <laughs> there was one rod I put, I made up this year, just did straight fluoro. And I, for the life of me, can't remember what it was now. Um, but then when it comes to my spinning reels, I'll do the same thing. You know, um, most of the time, you know, it just depends on the um, application which I'm using. But again, with spinning reels, uh, I have one that is 90% braid and then the other one's 50-50 as well. Um, just again, you know, kind of the heavier application, the more braid I have, the less heavy I have on there, I've got more of either the mono or the floor. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I think for most of my spinning rods, I, I do, you know, I do uh, a cheap mono backing, mm -hmm. then mostly uh, braid. And then for my leaders, and I forget, uh, somebody, I, somebody I, we interviewed at some point in the time talked about that uh, was making your leader basically your rod length, or like a rod and a half length to mm -hmm. So that uh -huh. your your knot is not regularly going through the reel, like if it right. And so yeah. I forget who first told me that, but so now usually when I do my leaders, if I have to tie on a new leader, I do one, two of my full arms, and then uh, about a half. Uh, so that uh -huh. usually gives. I know just from I use mostly around seven foot seven foot two rod length. Um, I know that gives me just enough. So I'll just most of the time be out outside the outside the reel with my knot my connection knot with my leader or my bait hanging you know where i normally cast from so mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's generally what i do and i pretty much i think all my spinning rods are that mostly braid to fluorocarbon leader like i said except for like that one i have uh, my popper tied on to i i use that with a mono leader just because it floats and uh and then um, for my for my baitcasters, again, like I said, most of them are uh, mostly braid. Um, but I will do on those, I'll do a little bit of longer leader just because I don't like to tie that as much. So mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that hurts as much going through. It's not as it's not going around that thing on the spinning rod that it's just basically feeding through that uh, gear or what do they call that? The, the um. The worm gear or the oh yeah yeah um what the heck is that part called <laughs> but it, the, the it seems like or something yeah like that. it seems like the opening on that is a little more not friendly than the it going around the uh line guide on a spinning reel to me anyway mm -hmm. but yeah well you know and it it also can depend upon um what not you're using as I was just well gonna say, yep. um you know which kind of segues a little bit into kind of our next topic um you know knots um i grew up and um 
I didn't have, um, you know, my dad or brother or anything to teach me uh, fishing or uh, basic stuff like that. But I very uh, distinctly remember my first time being taught how to tie fishing line was an older gentleman at a uh, private lake that um, uh, we had a membership to. And I must have been like pretty obvious, like it, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy comes over, he's like, all right, I'm going to show you how to do this knot. And then you better remember. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so <laughs> he showed me how to do the improved clinch knot. And like ever since then, that has been my go-to for everything. Um, you know, and I'm using that knot to tie, um, to, you know, my hooks, to my lures, et cetera, et cetera, type of thing. Um, it's been tried and true. Um, I just, it's, if, if it lets me down, it's probably because a, I didn't retie after some sort of incident, landing a big fish, having a toothy critter on, et cetera, type of thing. Or I didn't um, wet tie my knot. So um, when it comes to using uh, anything but braid, you definitely need to make sure that you are wetting your line as you're tying it. Because, and a lot of people don't may not realize this, but when you're cinching down, that knot with that line, you're actually creating friction, which creates heat. And if you know that type of material, it, it doesn't play very well with heat. And so it can actually damage the line, weaken the line, and uh, cause you to uh, break off and for your knots to fail as well. So just always make sure to wet your lines if you're using mono, fluoro, even copolymer as well. Um, what, uh, what's your go-to knot for tying hooks and lures and stuff like that? Mine is definitely the uni knot. And, um, I, that was the, I, I looked at the improved clinch and for some reason I thought the uni knot was easier. Um, so I started learning to tie that and now I can tie that one in my sleep in the dark, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. So, and it, it works. I mean, uh, you know, when we get to talking to um, leader knots, um, it you, you just basically to do a leader knot, you tie two of them and pull them together against each other. So, you know, once I learned that knot, um, that was the one I used and I still use 90% of the time because I can tie it in my sleep. And, uh, you know, it uh, I have I can tie the improved clinch and but I just find the, the uni knots a little bit easier sometimes when I tie the improved clinch. I have trouble keeping the loop at the end at, before the twist good enough to run my line back through it. So, and with the double uni, you don't, you don't really have to, you have a big loop, you know, that you're feeding mm -hmm. it back through. So it's not, it's not uh, as challenging to me uh, to keep that little hole open enough to, to run the, um, you know, the tag end back through. Mm -hmm. So that's my main reason for tying the, the uni and, and the double uni. Cause again, it, it, now I, I have read, you know, a, a bunch of different um, articles and stuff about knot strength, and the W uni or the uni is not as strong as some of the other ones. 
Um, but I don't find that I break off that often there, unless, like you said, it's because I didn't retire or something silly like that, or I'll run it over a branch and then, you know, definitely nick it up a little bit and mm-hmm. cause some problems. But yeah, I don't think it's a lot of time now. Definitely when I first started, oh man, I don't even, I don't even, I, I would just tie a couple different tie kinds of overhand <laughs> knots until, and oh man, I, how many times, right? yep, how many times I'd break off that and it'd come back and you can tell that the end was just, you know, you know exactly what happened. So, mm-hmm. it, but um, as far as, you know, learning to tie knots, there is a million resources out there. Oh, you know, yeah. YouTube is your friend. Um, I have an app on my iPhone um, for knots. Um, and uh, there, there's definitely a lot of cool ones, but, but as far as um, other knots, I, I have um, played around with the Polymer knot. Um, and uh, I find that relatively easy to tie, but uh, I don't know why I, I don't tie that one more because there's some people who swear by it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I, I wanted to say that was the one that slips with braid. And I, I can't remember, though. I know there's one knot specifically they say if you tie it with just braid as a connection knot that it can slip. But I can't I remember. I think that might be just the regular uh, clinch knot. Okay. That I think that might sound right because the improved clinch knot it makes it go back through another loop to help prevent any slipping. Because okay. I, I would use um, just a regular clinch knot, um, you know, several years ago, and then I noticed that either a like sometimes the line would be slipping or whatever, I'd be like, what's going on? Um, and now that I think about it, I was like, I think I had that happen more on braid than anything else. And then once I switched to the improved clinch knot, then I didn't have any problems whatsoever. So gotcha, it's probably gotcha. just the regular clinch knot that, that does that one. But I could be wrong, or it could there could be you know more than one knot that um, you know line hesitancy to uh, slip up on as well. No, and there's and there is a, a ton of different knots for different applications out there too. Um, uh, like there's the snell knot that actually wraps around the the barb of the hook or the uh, the shaft mm. of the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, when you buy uh, like trout fishing lines pre-tied hooks with line on them, a lot of times those are uh, tied with the snell knot. And uh, um, I did I have watched videos and tied that successfully, but I just don't use it that often. Um, um, but I just know that it's, it's a type of knot and, uh, that it's not horrible, horribly hard to tie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, um, I know a lot of people tie for, uh, top water lures. They'll tie a loop knot where you actually, you're not, you're, you're, you have a loop at the end of your line and then it goes to a knot and it helps for, um, like walk the dog action and stuff like that. I've heard of that knot. Oh. Um, I don't tie that one either. Um, if I want that kind of extra stuff, I'll just tie a snap on the end of my line and that kind of <laughs> accomplishes the same thing. Uh, but, um, uh, so I know that that's out there. Um, how about, um, for a line to, or, you know, line connecting knots, uh, what do you use for that? Uh, yeah. So, um, my go-to knot, um, for probably the past six years or so has, um, definitely been um the uh alberto knot so um it i think it's really effective when you're going from braid 
to floral or braid to uh, mono. It just, I, I feel like I've just had more luck with that than other types. Um, I know there's like the, the double uni and, uh, you know, double other things or something like that. Um, now, it, it did take me um, a good season to really kind of get this knot down and like in a sense like have it perfected you know because like now i can probably sit there and probably do it or whatever but beforehand i'd have to be like you know really fine-tuning and holding the line in a certain way um it, it can be challenging with some of these knots because some of them like you look at the picture and you're just like how like what <laughs> that's the fg knot for me i i have <laughs> tried that i've bought the little tool that's supposed to help you tie it where it has like like a, you wrap it around this end and you wrap it around this end and then you can wrap the line around and then you take off this end and reattach it's uh, i still can't tie that and i've watched about a million videos but even now alberto i struggle um, i wanted to give a quick shout out to um brad hicks um when when he was still with paddle and finn he actually put a video. There is a paddle and fin video of Brad tying up uh, Alberto knot. And that was probably out of all the Alberto knot um, videos that I've seen. Um, that was the one that I thought was probably the easiest to follow. I really liked it. And um, um, the challenge with me with the Alberto knot is exactly what you were saying is, is the where to pinch and how to pinch. Um, Cause I, um, I cut the tip of my thumb off my, uh, off my left hand cutting salad one time and you know it's it's still there it has like a little flat spot i don't know if you can see it but um but basically i have no feeling in the tip of my thumb on my left hand so when i'm pinching something with that i can't always tell if i'm pinching tight um i just it, it, it's just a weird feeling and that's why i think i when you were talking about how you have to like pinch and then you're like trying to figure out how to move it. That's exactly me tying that knot. And, and if I'm tying it at home, sometimes I will tie it, but if I'm out on the water, there's no chance. I I'll tie a double uni every time because um, the double uni is a bigger knot it, and it, I don't like how it goes through the guides. You can definitely hear it going, tick, 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 you know, you know, mm -hmm. out through the lines. Um, whereas I, I, when I do tie the Alberto, I, I think it definitely goes through the guides better. I don't have many uh, rods that have like the micro guide. So I know that's really like the, the main concern with um, those micro guidelines or rods, but uh, I don't have too many lines or uh, rods that have that. So that's not a huge concern for me, but I know it definitely, and I have had that not fail uh, the double uni fail eventually, like all after casting it all day and having it go through the line guides, it does eventually wear out from that, you know, constantly, hitting those line guides on cast after cast after cast. So, um, that, uh, if I can, I, I will say that if you do learn the double uni, that it is, that is one of the negatives for that knot. But, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, I think it's one of the easier line to line knots. But again, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Alberto is also, and I, I've heard there's like different versions of that too. Like there's the crazy Alberto. I don't know exactly <laughs> what that means, but, uh, <laughs> Right. Yeah. The improved or yeah. the simple, the cut, you know, it just, yeah, there's well, like, like, yeah, there's like the Rapala knot, which to me looks pretty much like a clinch or improved clinch, but I don't know what the difference is. I think you go, you go through, uh, through the, the one loop one extra time with the Rapala knot. I don't, I don't know. 
but uh yeah it's yeah i i can kind of see how it would look like that in a sense it's just like a it's a different variation in a sense because but you have you tie a loop and then with the extra bit then you go through the leader or go through your lure and then still with that tag in then you go through the opening of that overhand knot and then you um like go around and then with your tag and then you go back through yeah it, it's yeah <laughs> the, the rat you chase the rabbit up the hole <laughs> you know <laughs> there's a reason why i never you know growing up i when i when they taught us how to tie shoes in school I could not do that stupid rabbit around the whole thing. I, I, for the longest time tied two loop, two loops went through each other with overhand and that was it. And, yep. uh, um, I could not, I don't know what it was about that the other way, but you know, so I should have known that when it came to tying knots and fishing line, I was going to be, uh, have a challenge. Cause I, I couldn't even tie my shoes for the longest time. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just need to uh, get those uh, back to the future shoes where they just automatically oh, yeah. cinch. Oh, yeah. dude, I, I rocked the kangaroos <laughs> for the longest time because Velcro <laughs> was where it was at until, you know, Heck then it yeah. wasn't cool to wear the Velcro shoes. And then I had to actually learn how to tie my shoes. Which... <laughs> right. Dang those cool kids. <laughs> um, but I know you were talking a little bit, you know, how sometimes um, you'll have your line. Um, you know, going through the guides or whatnot, and you'll kind of feel it. So, um, you know, what I usually like to tell people who are trying out, um, you know, tying different uh, leaders is uh, just, you know, test out some different links. You know, um, it might also depend a little bit upon, you know, the uh, technique and the situation that you might be in as well. Um, you know, if you're fishing super clear water, and you're worried about fish seeing your, um, uh, not leader line, but your backing line. If you're using braid, then you might have to use a pretty long leader, or you might just be doing straight floral or straight mono, depending on what you're doing. But, you know, the stained, more stained water you get, um, you know, in my mind, uh, the less amount leader that you'd have to use, in a sense. Um well, that brings us to another topic, too, of line color and, uh -huh. well, like, underwater visibility. Um, like, they say that fluorocarbon is 100% invisible underwater, uh -huh. which, you know, I, 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 I can see that. Um, and then motto is, you know, somewhat, I guess. And then braided line is not. But yeah. depending on your color of braided line, um, I've seen a lot of cool videos where they show how um, the color of different braided line looks completely different at different different depths and oddly enough they say like red red is actually one of the first colors that disappears now red kind of looks more black the deeper you get i guess um from uh -huh. what i remember but and there's other colors that are less visible but there's definitely a lot of cool videos out there uh if you just go uh just google you know underwater line tests and stuff um, because it is very interesting what the different colors do. Now, I don't know. Do you with your with your um, braided line? Do you like I th I I for the longest time I threw like the high vis yellow so I could see it on the water, but um, I I don't always do that anymore. I I sometimes go with the more kind of camouflage. It depends on the applications. Like I have mm -hmm. a couple of different braided line with me here too. Um, uh, 
uh, what's Guillermo actually um, got me started on this wind tamer. It's braid that supposedly is a little less wind resistant. I, I can't say that I've noticed a ton of difference with it, but <laughs> this one is bright pink. So Ooh. I have that. Um, I have uh, on most of my um, line right now, I have the, like the yellow, the high vis oh, okay. yellow. But then recently I actually started buying um, tactics it's a cigar line and it's actually kind of like a camo. I don't know if you can. Oh, it's like a moss green. Well, but it's, it's, it's lots of different colors. Um, oh. it's, uh, so I, I kind of like it because there's enough white in it at different spots that I can see it. But, uh, it also, uh, you can't really tell, but it's, it's like a oh, couple yeah, different you colors. Can. Yeah. So like it would almost break up, you know, it being, like a single strand, I guess, in a sense. I mean, that, that's that's kind of interesting. I've never uh, I've never seen or heard of that one before. Um, but when it comes to uh, braid or color lines or whatever, um, I've primarily just used moss green braid. Um, it's just kind of what I've had and what I've used. Um, the situations, at least so far, that I really could have used like a brighter line is usually like right at dawn or right at dusk as that light is fading. But like, I'm like, eh, you know, that's what, 10, 15 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that you can't really see it. So I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really justify needing to get a uh, different colored uh, leader or whatnot in a sense. Um, I have seen how, um, uh, I have been watching like, um, FLW and Bass and whatnot when, um, you know, they have tournaments and stuff like that. And I have been, you know, trying to see how some of the guys will use like spinning rods and have the, uh, like the high vis yellow leader and stuff like that on there. So I might actually, uh, try switching that up a little bit this year and see if, um, you know, maybe I noticed something because it can be difficult to feel some of the bites sometimes, mm -hmm. especially, you know, a lighter line, lighter setups, you know, so maybe having a little bit more of a visual aid in a sense to see that line move, um, you know, could potentially be um, a, a good thing, you know, in a sense, so. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely have seen, especially when I, I fished a Ned rig a lot and that is, that is one that I will use that high vis color on because there is times where you don't feel it, then pick that up at all. And the only way I know that there's something on there is it, you can see the line jump just a little bit. Uh -huh. And, uh, so that, that does, I can definitely testify to that. Um, you know, so, um, I think it's definitely worth it. Now, uh, one thing I have noticed that is that, you know, that yellow turns to white pretty quickly. Like it doesn't hold its color um, for me anyway. It Now it, it, you still can see it, but it's mm -hmm. not as high vis as it is. Uh, like I haven't found one yet that really keeps its color for any length of time. Cause you know, like you said, braid does last a long time, but mm -hmm. um, it doesn't, generally keep that bright vibrant color super long at least in my experience so interesting no see i didn't know that so there's another um con i guess in a sense you know to using you know that high vis yellow i mean i've always used the moss green now granted like you can definitely tell like the first 
20 yards that I've used because it has gotten a little bit lighter. Mm -hmm. But like when it comes to braid, I'm like, I don't care what color it is. Like <laughs> as long as, you know, it's still in good shape and, you know, isn't frayed or anything like that, I could care less about the color in a sense. So. Well, yeah. And I've heard uh, like, you know, on the different tips and stuff, I've heard like that somebody will take a Sharpie and just run down yeah. the line. And I'm like, well, black, you know, I would almost think black would be worse, but I guess depending right. on your water clarity and stuff, maybe that's not as, as bad, but, you know. Mm -hmm. well, I know people have also um, used like a Sharpie on their lines to kind of help um, like measure, um, you know, like foot or length or distance or whatever in a sense too. So, and it makes sense, you know, I mean, you think about it, you have a practically invisible thing and then you put black on it and you're like oh yeah there it is <laughs> yeah yeah it is it's, so yeah oh let's see here i'm trying to think what else uh we may or may not have covered when it comes to line oh i know uh one question i asked you earlier is what uh not used to tie to your uh your to your reel like ah to the reel um so <laughs> I'm pretty basic when it comes to that. So when it comes to um, pretty much all my reels now, I'll do just a couple overhand knots and then I'll take a little tiny piece of electrical tape and then I'll just tape it right over the little knot part and then just tape it in the direction that the line's going to go. And then I typically don't have any trouble with it slipping or anything like that. Um, that did remind me though, is um, when you're using a bait caster and you're using braid versus fluoro, I will say braid is a heck of a lot easier to get a bird's nest out than fluoro. <laughs> oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> Although, I mean... I guess I, I, I actually, now that I say that, I kind of agree, but there, I, I feel like sometimes braid, you can get, you know, just trying to pick it out um, mm -hmm. when it's really, uh, I think that uh, the, uh, the abrasion of the, the braid on each other mm -hmm. or when it's sometimes I find that, you know, it, it does almost, uh, it gets kind of bound in there a little easier than flora. But I, like I said, I have not thrown fluoro with any regularity to have too much comparison, but <laughs> yeah, braid, like it can bird nest pretty well, but like, because of at least the majority of the brands, there's usually like a, um, kind of like a slick coating on it. And so like, I feel like all of my backlashes or bird's nests that I get in braid, I can pick out. Now, when it comes to fluoro, that's a little bit of a different story. Um, that was one of the biggest things I had happening when I had reels completely backed with floral is if any time I had a backlash or a bird's nest, I would have parts in the line. And I don't know if I had bad line at the time, but like it was the first year I used that particular line on that reel. And every time I would backlash, it would like split and just break in like a couple of parts. Huh. in the reel and i wouldn't find out until i'd be casting later and i'd just see these two ends sticking out and be like what the hell <laughs> you know and the other part of it is too is sometimes 
when uh, Flora would get backlashed and all knotted and everything, it'll create like, um, if you run your fingers along the line, you can kind of feel like dimples or just like irregularities in the line yeah. after that's happened. And like, I'm very like wary of my line after that because I'm like, it, it's not the same. Uh, something has changed, you know. I don't know how much friction was on this part, you know. Is it going to break, you know? So, definitely some other um, things to consider as well when using different type of line. After, uh, I, I just thought of a question because I was out yesterday morning on the Susquehanna fishing. And it's jerkbait time here. So what do you throw your jerkbait on? Because I was throwing it on a braid deleter and driving myself bonkers because the wind would put a little put at the very tip of my rod. It would wrap around the top and then I'd be trying to reel in. And then it's like, no, no, nope. It's wrapped around the top. And then I'd have to, I don't know what it was about the wind, but the way the mm -hmm. wind was blowing, it would wrap it around the top of my rod and it was driving me bonkers. Interesting. So... I have a technique, a very uh, specific technique that I use when I'm throwing the jerk bait. But majority of the time, it's in deeper water because you know the Susquehanna isn't necessarily like deep water per se. So in your situation, I would definitely have to set it up different. So I'll get to that in just a second. So my typical way that I typically run my jerk bait is I will have about. Um, yeah, on that rod, I'll do 50-50. So I'll have like 50% of it full of braid. And then the other part of it filled with um, uh, filled with fluorocarbon. So what I do, the technique, so I know a lot of people will cast out and they'll, you know, do the jerk, jerk, jerk type of thing. So I have a technique that um, we just kind of call the drift and jerk. So... What I'll do is I'll cast some line behind me and then I'll jerk my rod just off to the side and I'll kind of, since I have a Hobie, I'll kind of pedal and I'll just maintain a certain speed and I'll, it's like trolling in a sense, but like you're just jerking and then you just, you get your timing right and then you just jerk and then jerk, jerk as you're just kind of slowly pedaling around. I have gotten that method keeps the jerk bait in the strike zone like all the time. So like if your jerk bait's supposed to go down to 20 feet, you let enough line go out there and you stay in that uh, depth of water, it'll stay in that strike zone as long as you're just, you know, doing your consistent jerk, jerk, jerk thing or whatever. Hmm. Now, when it comes to the Susquehanna, that's going to be a little bit of a different story. So with that situation, I would probably um, be doing a little bit heavier line, just mainly because, I mean, I know there could probably be some d deeper points there, but like with the, the rocks and stuff like that, I'm probably going to use something that has a little bit more um, grit to it. Um, but I would probably still do like 50, 50. So I do 50 braid and then the rest of it do like a fluorocarbon, but I might, you know, kick it up to like 10 or 12, gotcha. just depending upon, you know, the structure and whatnot, you know, 
Uh, well, what we were we were sitting we were sitting um, on either side of a, a pretty good current seam. Uh-huh. It was fl- flowing pretty good. But what we were doing is we were we were both sitting. Uh, I had a buddy there uh, with me, and uh, we were both sitting on either side in eddies, casting up into this current seam, and basically we we crank or reeled to get it down to depth and just uh-huh. kind of let it ride in that current and just just uh-huh. occasionally cranking and. Uh, he caught a 20. Um, I lost a 20, uh, like at least I, it, I had it right at the kayak and my knot broke. Uh, but, but I had not retied since the last time I had thrown that jerk bait. So I have no clue. Mm. That how. so, yeah, this could be like a whole topic too, is just talking about jerk baits is, um, with a, depending on the brand of jerk bait you have, um, you're definitely going to want to have, uh, good hooks in there. And then, like, after every fish or after every, um, like, snag or something, you got to retie. Like, I can't tell you how many jerk baits I have lost <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't retie or um, I didn't, uh, you know, I got snagged and didn't retie. I caught a fish and didn't retie. Like, yeah. It can be it can be heartbreaking, or you're fishing a body of water that just has nothing but pike, and they just love to steal <laughs> your lure. Like it's infuriating. Oh, yeah. And you know, most of the time with those lakes, like if I'm gonna throw a jerk bait, like I'm gonna have like a, a really um, thin um, wire leader on there. But then even then, like sometimes it's just like Ugh, I'm not even gonna bother. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, with that one. Um, I mean, depending if you're not casting it out that far either, you know, you, again, you know, different situations or whatnot, you could do like a, a, a shorter leader in a sense that you're not really casting it out that far um, and go with a little bit uh, lighter of a line. But still, like, I mean, you know, those fish in the river, man, they can they can fight like nothing else. <laughs> Oh, I was, I was so sad. I, especially like we got up to the spot and he, uh, caught like a 20 right off the bat, like first fish. And I was like, Oh man, that's awesome. And I was actually throwing a tube at first and then he caught like an 18 and I was like, okay, I'm switching to a jerk bait and immediately caught a monster. I saw it jump like two or three times and it was, it looked like, like 20, (laughs) but, uh, and I had it right next to my kayak and it broke and, uh, I did catch a few more then, so it not mm-hmm. anywhere near that size, but uh, it was still fun. And um, so now I'm looking to go front, uh, go back there and throw the jerk bait again because I, up until that point, had not had a ton of luck with the jerk bait, but um, it was working well in that spot. So I'm going to definitely try that again. Uh, so I'm looking forward to going back and hopefully maybe finding one of those other big fish, but we'll see. Heck yeah. That's uh that's how I got my uh PB Smalley in Lake St. Clair was that uh drift and jerk method. Okay. Um, that fa- that method it, it's tried and true for me. I mean, granted I can't use it on tournament day uh depending on the tournament series because it is considered a form of trolling. trolling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I <sighs> That's another topic for another day. <laughs> But, um, yeah. Change is like, coming to the KBL now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, it, it's definitely a good method. Um, cool. Well, yeah, I'll have to. I think I, I almost remember 
talking to you about that a long time ago because uh-huh. I remember I tried it on the river and I caught my first ever walleye doing it. But, <laughs> but I uh, caught walleye. Do- <laughs> that's the thing about like doing this drift and jerk method is like it depending on the body of water too. Like um, my love hate relationship with Madison Chain. I've caught so many different species on the jerk bait, you know, pike, walleye, bass. I've caught um, a gar. <laughs> I've caught a catfish on a jerk bait before. Like, wow. I thought I had a muskie, and that was actually in Lake St. Clair. Um, I thought it was a muskie because it just was like dead weight and just the way it would kind of roll. I was like, oh God, I got a muskie on or something. No, it was a big old catfish. Like, Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, hybrid bass, uh, they love them. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, I, and heck, even um, uh, crappie. I've oh, yeah. Crappie on yep. it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you never know what you're going to get sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I feel like we've covered a lot. We have. So, um um, I'll, I'll, I'll try and put, uh, some links in the show notes to some of the knots that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, uh, some of the underwater studies, um, and, um, you know, so that you guys can check that out. Um, but if you guys have any questions, uh, about which line to use, um, just drop a, a question in either the Facebook news chat. Um, um, you know, that's probably the easiest place. And then, you know, we can definitely, you know, let us know what, you know, what's, uh, you know, bait you're using and kind of where you're fishing. And we can definitely kind of advise you on, you know, maybe the best line choice and, um, at least in our opinions anyway, and, um, that definitely, you know, it's open debate. That's one of the cool things about the, uh, uh, the noobs chat on the Facebook, uh, uh, on Facebook is, you'll get a lot of different opinions, but, uh, it seems to be uh, for the most part, pretty civil and people are, are very helpful. So definitely keep that up. And, um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, anything else, Susie? I know, um, I can't think of anything else right now. It's, uh, really hard to believe that we are almost done with October. I know. October. Yeah. I can tell just cause it's freaking getting dark at like six 30 now. What the heck? I know. Man. And then like, what is it? Is it two weeks from, oh, it's two weeks from the day we have mm-hmm. the time change. Oh. I'm like, I, I thought we weren't doing that uh, anymore. When are I we didn't getting think that? we were doing that anymore either, but I don't know. They keep changing their minds about <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah, no, I <sighs> I got out on the water. Uh, I, I was like, oh, well, we'll hit the water at sunrise on Saturday. And then um, he's like, oh, okay, seven o'clock. I'm like, seven o'clock is when summer. And then sure enough. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? And then it gets dark by 6 30. I'm like, come on. Yeah, there's definitely less than 12 hours of sunlight. And <laughs> it just, after the time change, it just goes down. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, shoot. We'll get through it. We'll yep. get through it. Yep. So, all righty, Susie. Well, thanks again. Um, it's been a fun episode. It's not bad yeah. when we uh, kind of just go with what we know. So, but right. um, yeah. um, I am going to, re- I know uh, uh, we'll have a little bit of different show. Uh, the next one that airs, um, it's going to be um, actually one of my old high school teachers who uh, has, um, you know, he was an avid outdoorsman, definitely uh, somebody who kind of got me interested in, in everything outdoors. Um, he's um, he loves hunting and fishing and um, but he definitely has some good stories and I have some, good stories about him uh, as my history teacher too. So uh, um, 
look forward to that. And, um, but, uh, yeah. So again, thanks for tuning in tonight though, guys. Um, and I hope this uh, information helps you. And if you have any questions, like I said, um, you know, hit us up and, uh, we'll definitely answer those as best as possible. But, uh, until next time, this has been another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the uh, Paddle and Fin podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. So, having a good night. Thanks, Susie. <laughs>